time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. All right, if you love Jesus, say I do. If you're happy to be here, say I am. If you're single, say I am. <laughs> All right. That's good. If you're single, I'm proud of you. Unless you're married. All right, good. Two days. Are you ready? Two days. We're going up. I'm so excited. I can hardly stand it. I'm stoked. I'm exuberant. Very excited. This is Daniel Webb, everybody. Can you give him a big hand right there? This is Daniel Webb. Daniel Webb, he's the Rams pastor, Gold Rams. <laughs> All right, we're talking about Coramdale. Coramdale means in the presence of God. We're going to continue that series tonight. We're going to talk about getting in the presence of God. We're going to talk about that we worship in the presence of God. We talked a little bit about that last week, and I want to add more to it this week. So we're going to continue talking about how when we're in the presence of God, we worship. So let's pray together and dive in. Father, we love you tonight. God, we would rather be in your presence than anywhere else. God, in your presence is where we find joy. In your presence is where we find life. In your presence is where we find identity. In your presence is where we find hope. In your presence is where we find who we are, God. So we love you today, God. We honor you today. We ask that you would usher us into your presence. God, we want to daily walk in your presence. We love you. We honor you. And everybody shouted amen. Amen. And all the men said amen. Amen. And all the women said amen. And all the men said amen. And all the women said amen. Men. Women. Men. Women. Not sure. Good. All right. Good, good, good. good. All right. Good, good, good. All right. Good. I'm glad you know what you are. Praise God. That's good. That's a miracle. All right. So. All right. Probably, what, five years ago, uh, we took the furnace to Thailand, and we were on this trip on our way to Thailand. We arrived in Thailand, and we did quite a few different things there. We We sent teams that went to different places. But one of the images that's forever locked in my mind was when my team, my, my team, we went to Bangkok and we were in Bangkok and we went and visited where literal idols were. I mean, we're talking a temple that had literal idols. It was gargantuan. There was a, a, a huge idol. It was made of, of some kind of gold and metal and it was gargantuan. It filled the entire building. And the missionaries wanted us to see the idols, and we, we, as we were there, we, we, we walked around, and we, wa- we walked around the idol, and it was, it was huge, so you could literally walk around it, and we're, we're, we're in this place where people are worshiping an idol. And you had, you, had little, you had little old people that were worshiping, and you had children that were worshiping, and you had parents with little kids that were worshiping, and there was people worshiping this idol. And I'll never forget this moment in my head where I was literally watching this lady with her child as she worshiped an idol. As she literally bowed down. I'm talking, I'm talking this was an ugly idol. This was made of, of like just metal and gold and rocks and cement and I'm just watching this lady literally kneel over, bow down, putting money into a dish. 
And she's worshiping. She's got, she's reverent. Her knees are bowed to something that's solitary. It's just stuff. Just somebody made it. It's just, I mean, it's nothing. And I remember inside of my heart just kind of breaking. And I, I really wanted to look at this lady and everything inside of me wanted, I, I couldn't speak the language. I didn't, David, don't talk Thai. I couldn't talk Thai. I didn't know how to communicate. But I watched and everything inside of me, if I could just communicate, and if it would have been right, it wouldn't have been appropriate. But if I could have what, what was going on inside of me is to say, listen, this idol cannot help you. You, you, you were made to worship. There is something inside you to worship, but you're worshiping the wrong God. There's something inside of me that wants to go, listen, metal and wood and this carved structure cannot help you. This carved structure cannot give you life. This thing that you're worshiping, it cannot give you hope. It cannot, it cannot give you a future. And I remember just watching this lady with her child. And in my head, it was because I was starting to think, who knows where that child will be years from now. She worshiped, bowed down, kneeled over in reverence, giving her affections, her time, and her money to a very real, solitary, we're talking man-built idol. And, and, and each, each one of us, you and me, we are all worshipers. You can't divorce yourself from the fact that I don't care what it is that you worship, you worship. In fact, not only us here tonight, and not only this church, New Life, and not only people in Colorado Springs, and not only the United States of America, and every person on the earth created worships. In fact, when you look and you travel around the world, you see there's a longing and there's a desire to give our affections, to give our wow, to give our adoration, to give our loyalty to something. Psalm 96 reads like this, great is the Lord. Let me just hit this again. It's this thing that sometimes it's so familiar you don't even get it. I just read great is the Lord and that didn't even hit anybody because you're so used to it. But let's just start that again and read what Psalm 96 says again. It says, great is the Lord. He is most worthy, most worthy. He is, speaking of the Lord, speaking of our God, he is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. The gods of the other nations are mere idols. But the Lord, the Lord The Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and beauty fill his sanctuary. And and, and Psalm 96, alive in your heart. Great is our God. He is most worthy. There's something right in the heart of you and I as believers. When we see people bowing down to other idols. That there's there's a rightness to something inside of us going, it's not okay. It's not okay. There's a better way. There's something inside of me that wanted to scream at that lady. That is a goofy God for you to worship. Don't bow your knee to that. That is a lame Lord. It is lame. It is a lame. I mean, there's nothing wrong with wood and metal. But when you worship it, then it's lame. 
When you make it a God, something's gone wrong in your heart. There's something that's wrong in your mind. There's something that needs to get realigned. That idol is not worth your worship. It's not worth it. We read last week out of Revelation 5 where it says, One day we will all proclaim, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive blessing and honor and glory and power forever and ever. There is one who is worthy and it is not your idol. There is one who is worthy, but all the rest do not possess within them the worth necessary for any human need to bow before it. There is one that's worthy, but there's only one. There's only one. There's one that when you enter into his presence, when you come before him, when you behold him, when you see him, when you encounter him, when you experience him, you go, ay, 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 he is the creator. He is holy. He is the truth. He is the way. He is God. There's one God. There's one God. We are, we believe there is one God. God who created the heavens and the earth, Yahweh. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We believe in one God. You, you are going to worship something. Your friends, and that's really what I want to hit on tonight. Your friends, people that you love. Hopefully you love them. Hopefully there are people that are not in this room tonight that you love. Hopefully, we don't just come together and do a Holy Ghost party. Hopefully, you're on your face weeping and praying and, and befriending people in your campuses, on your schools, and that you, you've actually grown to a place where you do what Jesus said, where he tells us to love our neighbor, where he tells us to love people. My prayer, my hope is that you love your friends. I hope that you love them, not because of you want to be like them, not because you want them to like you and you're, no, none of that, but because of Christ. You love them. You love unlovable people. You love the weird kids. You love the cool kids. You love the tall kids and the short kids. You love the mullet kids and the big head kids. Not that many kids do that. You love all the kids. That you, my hope is that you have friends, but your friends, friends, your friends, there are so many that are not here that though they do not bow before an idol made of gold in Thailand, their time, their affections, and their dollars go toward idols in this land. It's all through high school culture. And you, you know them. Tyrell doesn't know as many. I don't know as many. Dan doesn't know as many. Stefan doesn't know as many. But you know them. You know them. And the ache that I'm asking God to birth inside of your heart. Something comes alive inside of you. That instead of just getting used to bowing down to the idol of what people think of me. Bowing down to the idol of sports. Bowing down to the idol of entertainment. Bowing down to the idol of Hollywood. Bowing down to giving all our time to fantasy, football, giving our time to whatever it could be. Girls, guys, you name it, whatever is the thing what we talked about last week. Whatever we worship, whatever goes, ah, oh, marvel, ah. Oh. 
idols are in our land. And there needs to be a voice. Hundreds of voices from this tent that are looking at the scenario. Something in you. You speak the language. You talk high school. The language, you know it. Whatever it is, you talk it. You know it. You're there. You, you know the person. And instead of getting used to it, that's just the way it is. Guys just are enslaved. So you pick whatever the idol is. That's just the way they're going to be. Success. Computer games. Whatever is the thing that they, that, they, that they love more than anything else. Whatever causes the, <gasps> that, that's worship. When you talk about it, they light up. Uh-huh. Wow, whoa, eyes sparkle. And, and everybody's got something. And the nature of the Christian, the nature of the Christ follower, the, the, what a person who is in Christ looks like is the thing that gets them excited, the thing that causes their heart to come alive, their face to light up, their countenance to become radiant, is the way it says in Psalm 34, where they just, ha, is when you talk about Jesus. That's, that's who we want to be. And we need young men and women that not only worship the Lord their God and not only have given up the idols of the day, but my passion and my prayer is that you are so consumed with the glory and the excellence of God, you can't tolerate idols in the land. You can't handle, you want to crush, you want to destroy the idols that are destroying your friends. You want to crush the thing that's crushing them. Are you with me? And so many of you, you don't hate the sin. You think it's okay just that you don't love it. That you've just gotten to the place where it's no longer gripped you. But it's gripping a generation. It's gripping your friends on your campus. And who are the people that God uses to change change a a campus? It's you. How is God going to bring change? Through you. How is God going to crush idols? Through you. You. You get to be those people. We have so many, so many that are, are, are literally giving themselves to idols. And it's foolish. I mean, one day, one day, of course, you know Philippians 2 where it says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. You know that. You know without a doubt that one day, one day we will see clearly the excellency of Jesus and the, his worth, who he is and how awesome he is. And imagine the foolishness if on that day we could look back and see how foolish we were to give ourselves to idols in this day. I love the story of Jacob and Esau because it outlines the foolishness. It outlines how crazy, how crazy to give yourself to an idol. You know the story, you're familiar with it. Genesis 25, they're twins, Jacob and Esau. Esau's the older brother, Jacob's a few minutes younger. And in Israel culture, whoever was the firstborn, whoever was the oldest, the oldest male child was the one who got the inheritance of the family. So he was by nature gonna receive the wealth 
He was the one that the family name was passed through. And particularly when we look at this story, because of the promise that the Messiah would come through Abraham. The, the messianic lineage was going to come through. So the, that messianic means of the Messiah. Jesus was going to come through the line of Abraham. And so it's an intriguing story when you look at how Jacob and Esau, brothers. And if you've read the story, I know my kids know it mostly from picture Bibles. and So I think most of us know this story. But if you don't, let me tell it to you. It's a story where... You have Abraham and he has Isaac and Isaac then has twin boys, Jacob and Esau. And Jacob and Esau then, uh, one of them, Esau, Esau's the older one and he's the one that is going to gain the birthright. He's the one that's going to receive the family name. He's the one who's going to receive the messianic lineage. I mean, it's gonna, the Messiah is going to come through his line. He's the one who's going to get the inheritance. He's got the stuff. He's a hunter. He was your tough man. He was, I mean, he was the big guy, kind of looked like Jared Newman. He was tough. And then you had Jacob. And Jacob was the guy who liked to hang out in the tents, wasn't quite as tough, smooth, smooth skin face. You know, I won't name the pastor he was more like, but he was, he was the, the smaller guy, you know. And you got Jacob and Esau. And the story goes that Jacob went out, he was out hunting, and he came back from hunting starving. And his brother Jacob, who was kind of the, not as tough as him, dude, was in the kitchen. I'm not being stereotypical, but Jacob was in the kitchen cooking. (laughs) And Jacob made some stew. And what happened was, was that Esau said, hey, little brother, give me the stew. And Jacob said, no way, hairy old boy. Esau said, give me the stew. Jacob said, no. Esau said, please, I'm hungry, I'm about to die. And Jacob said, all right, but only if you give me your birthright. And Jacob and Esau said, deal, fine. I'll take the stew, a bowl of stew. I'll take some stew from you. So that I no longer receive the wealth of our family. No longer is it my name in the line, for the, in line for the Messiah. And no longer, no longer is it, is it my name, my inheritance. For a bowl of stew, I'll give it to you, Jacob. Here you go. And, and if you could just... If you could look back at that moment, I wonder where, what Esau thinks. If Esau could go back. Because a little bit later, you know, when we, when we read the story now, I mean, if we look, this has only been thousands of years. This isn't even eternity yet. But when we look at it, we look back and we go, Esau, what are you thinking, man? You're crazy. We don't look at it and go, oh, yeah, man, that was worth it, dude. That was some stew, dude. I mean, way to go, bro. That's not what we think. No. When we look at it, we go, are you you nuts? You know what happens in Exodus chapter 3? So what happens, here's a quick lesson here. People of God, the Israelites, they literally, Joseph leads them into Egypt, rescues Israel and his family. Then they go into slavery. Into Pharaoh and Egypt for hundreds of years. 
Then a guy named Moses is going to lead them out. And God appears to Moses in a burning bush. Yahweh, the God of the ages, he appears to Moses. And he looks at Moses. Exodus chapter 3. And he says, Moses, I am the God. I mean, we're talking God. It's a burning bush, but it's not burning. We're talking about God talking. Big moment here. And he goes, I am the God. You want to know who I am? I am God. I am God. I mean, God is talking. Imagine God talking. Big deal. God talks to Moses and God says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. No. No, that's not, how, that's not what God says. No, 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 no. Esau sold his birthright for some stew. So God appears to Moses the great deliverer, and says, I want you to know whose God I am. I want you, there's some great guys, some guys that I have been faithful to. A guy named Abraham that I made a promise to that I'm going to keep. A guy named Isaac that I made a promise to and I'm going to keep. And Abraham's grandson, Isaac's son, his son, no, Jacob. (laughs) Can you imagine? I don't know. I don't know. What Esau knows now, I don't know exactly how it works, but I guarantee you, Esau missed it. Because you can read, you can read all through the Bible, and if you just do, if you just do a search on Jacob, ah, Jacob is everywhere. If you look at all the baby boys born today, there's a whole lot of Jacobs. There's Jacob, there's Jake, there's Jacobs everywhere. It's one of the most popular names. Esau. I'm yet to meet one. I mean, we almost named my little brother that, but no, no, just kidding. No, I mean, there's not many Esau's. Just kidding, Dan. Love you. Sorry. Always make jokes about your best bud. If you read in Luke chapter 1, this is interesting because, okay, I said that the Messianic line was going to come through Esau, right? Listen to this. Okay, you know this story. Most of you think Christmas when you hear Luke 1 and 2, but just bear with This isn't Christmas story. I know this is October. More Halloween message, but here we go. Listen to this. Luke 1. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was There you go. Mary. And the the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his his words. So you get this? The angel of the Lord. Gabriel. The angel Gabriel talking to Mary. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Gabriel. Talking. An angel. The Gabriel. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. I mean, we're talking about God becoming man. This is the biggest moment in history. The angel of the Lord says, you will be a child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great. Oh, I love that. That's like Psalm 94. He will be great. Great is our God. Don't you're great. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Esau forever. No, it's not what it says. And he will reign over the house of Esau forever. His kingdom will never end. No! 
John does not talk about Esau. Harry, old warrior, hunter, Esau got hosed. Little smooth-faced cooking brother Jacob got it. And he will reign over the house of Jacob. Forever his kingdom will never end. I don't know about you, but imagine, imagine if you were to be able to look back and Esau, if he's looking back and God of the ages is coming to earth and the angel of the Lord is appearing and he's checking this out and he's looking out. I don't know. I'm imagining he's up in heaven. If he's in heaven, wherever he is. <laughs> and he's looking at this moment. And the angel Gabriel is talking to Mary about Jesus And he goes, that could have been my name. But I love stupidity. I'm so stupid. What was I thinking? I should not have bowed down to the idol of my tummy. the stew and give up the God of the ages sending an angel to declare that the Messiah is going to come to Jacob's line. <laughs> well, if you're an older brother, you're like, ah! I get mad when my brother and I play fantasy football. And if I play someone that couldn't beat him and I go, oh, God, that was stupid. Imagine this <laughs> times a hundred. What was I thinking? How dumb to give my affections to stew. (laughs) And to lose out. To lose out on so much. To lose out. I lost it because my idol was my stomach. It's all through the Bible. It's in our culture. It's everywhere. I see it all the time. I see it in Lot's wife. Genesis 19. The angel says to Lot and his family, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. You need to leave the city and don't look back. Whatever you do, don't look back. And as they're leaving the city, God is going to destroy the city that's filled with sin. And God, the angel has clearly told him, don't look back. But this idol of curiosity inside of Lot's wife, this curiosity, I want to see it. Lot says, sweetheart, don't look back. We have an audible voice from an angel that told us not to look. Yeah, but I really am curious. Honey. Don't be stupid. Don't look back. I just, I've never seen a city destroyed by fire. (laughs) Honey, trust me. You don't want to disobey God. Don't let that curiosity, that, don't let that get the best of you. Well, just one look. Lot. Lot, can I look once? 
No. Come on, Lot. No, don't do it. Lot, I'll do it before the girls see. No, don't do it, honey. And the idol, I just want to see it. I've never seen it before. I just want to see it. And in Genesis 19, destruction. God turns her into a pillar of salt. Bad day. That's a bad day. It's a bad day for the lady that became salt. It's a bad day for the husband whose wife is now salt. It's a bad day for the little girls whose mommy is now salt. It's just a bad day. But you know what? We have a generation of friends. When they're using any justification they say they can to say, I'm just curious. I'm just curious about sexual immorality. I'm just curious about pornography. I'm just I'm just curious about what it's like to give my affection a time, my attention. Somewhere God has clearly told me not to. For for Esau, years later. He goes, dumb. For Lot's wife, pretty instant. You and I, we don't know what our our future holds. Some of you, you think, oh, I won't bow down to an idol and I'll ask for forgiveness and years from now, I'll just get right with God. You don't know, you could be Lot's wife. You don't know. We serve a pretty big God. And from the Ten Commandments all the way through the Word of God, he's made pretty clear. You shall have no other God before me. Zero. Yeah, but just these little pet idols. No. Yeah, but some of these idols are cute. Shut up. It's good. Matthew 27, there's this crazy story about a guy who's a disciple of Jesus Christ. I mean, we're talking... We're talking today, you have almost a billion people on the planet that claim to be a disciple of Jesus. And he was one of the original 12. That would be awesome. Walk with him, talk with him, hang out with him, watch him turn water into wine, watch him turn fish and bread into a feast, watch him raise people from the dead. That'd be sweet. Watch him speak to the wind and the waves. Watch it, you're there. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was there. There's a story of a guy who's one of the 12 named Judas. Judas' heart could be bought for 30 pieces of silver. For 30 pieces of silver, he betrayed Jesus. And for 30 pieces of silver, he lost his life. Forever and ever. He spends eternity in hell. He chose silver over Jesus. It's an idol. Whatever you hold with most value in your heart is what you worship. Even if you're so close to Jesus that you think you're his friend. If you can be bought, You may have an idol. Judas, Lot's wife, Esau, 
had idols. Lost it all. Friends, you and I, you and I must so spend our lives making much of Jesus that we worship him. When we come into his presence, we honor him and we love him. We seek him. We know him. So you say, David, all right. Tell me how. How? How do I grow as a worshiper? How do, be, how do I become a worshiper of God? I get it. You're telling me I ought to not have idols and I ought to worship God. Here's, here's how. Here's how. Behold. You, you have to see. When we come before him and we sing songs, you sing the songs. You open up the scriptures and you see him. There's nothing that I can, like a chatterbox, try to tell you. It's got to be you that encounters him. You need to encounter him. You need to be in his presence. And there's no substitute. It's not a one, two, three process of, well, read this book, do this thing. No, you need to encounter God where when you encounter him, it changes you. Where you encounter him, and only, it's, it, it has to be you. Last summer, my son Dawson, he was playing t-ball. Renata couldn't go to the game, and I'm at the game, and I'm on the cell phone with Renata, and Dawson gets a hit. I'm talking awesome, right past the shortstop, went right between the kid's legs. I was like, I'm screaming for Dawson. Dawson's running to first base. It doesn't really matter because in that age of T-ball, they don't even have outs. But I'm like, run! I'm telling him to run. He gets to first base. He's not out, even though you couldn't have got out. But he's still not out. He gets to first base, and I am screaming on the cell phone. He got the hitter! He's a hitter! He's a natural! Chip off the old block! We got the same! You know what I mean? He's awesome! A little bit later... A little bit later, Dawson, I kid you not, I'm not making this up. Dawson's playing pitcher, which doesn't make sense in T-ball, except for that. In T-ball, that's the only kid that gets any action. (laughs) And so kid hits it. Dawson picks it up, throws it to first base. I'm like, calling Renata. Our boy is a man who loved his kid. He's awesome. A little bit later, kid you not, last inning, Dawson's playing second base. He looks over at me, five years old, masculine as he can be. I mean, just tough kid. Five years old. I mean, there's not a more masculine boy on the field. He looks at me, he waves, and he blows me a kiss. I'm like... trying to explain it to her over the phone and finally I just lock in with forget this, you just had to see it explaining it over the phone, I just sound like a dumb dad chatterboxing but if you'd have been here, if you'd have seen this, if you'd have seen what I saw, it'd be a whole different story, if you would have seen what I saw it would have moved your heart in a way I cannot communicate to you. It was on the cell phone pre-iPhone 4 FaceTime. It was just like, I, Renata, you missed, you, no, it was all. 
And that's exactly, that's exactly how it is for every star-crazed Christian who feels like they've beheld him and they've seen him. They can talk all day long and they can say he's awesome and he's holy and he's good. And they can cry and they can sing and they can encourage you to come into his presence. And they can talk about what it's like in his presence. They can talk about how God answers prayer. They can talk about how awesome worship is. And they can talk about how God has taught them and how God has healed them and how God has changed them and how God has moved them. But if they, if you have not encountered it, if you have not seen and no, and encountered God, then to you, it's just like a talking head. Like, blah, 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 yeah, I've heard it before. Yeah, 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 God is good. Yeah, 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 Jesus died on the cross. Yeah, 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 we should come into his presence. Yeah, 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 worship is good. Yeah, 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 my parents told me that. Yeah, 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 I've read the book. Yeah, 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 yeah. And inside of you, there's this unspoken shut up, I get it. And really, you're the dumbest person on the planet if you don't lock in with you encountering the God of the ages. It will sound like chatterbox. But if you encounter him, If you see him, if you come before him and you bow your knee and you go, I am a worshiper and he is awesome and he is holy and he is God. Then the snot-nosed Christian church brat turns into a worshiper and is changed forever and ever and ever and ever. I just want to know what happens. What happens this weekend if all of us choose we are going to enter into the presence of God. We choose to worship. We choose to behold. We choose God. You in? Stand your feet. Lift your hands with me. God, we choose you. Lift your hands with me. God, we want to be worshipers. God, we want to enter into your presence. God, we as little children want to keep ourselves far from idols. There is only one that receives our affection. There is only one that is holy. There is only one that is due the worship of the nations. And God, we voluntarily, we give you our hearts. God, we voluntarily give you our affections, our time. God, we choose to surrender all to you choose to follow you I ask God that this weekend that you would work in a supernatural way God I don't want I don't want to come back and say the win was that we had fun I love fun but I want the win to be I saw him I beheld him with my own eyes I encountered God so Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, do a new thing. Work in our hearts. Work in our lives, God. I sense his presence even here right now. I just want to marinate here for a second. Honestly, I feel like right now there's some of you that right now you, inside of you is a growing longing that says, I, I have heard of your fame. I have heard stories of others. And secondhand, I know you to be good. But I want to encounter you, God. I want to behold you. I want to so see you that my eyes fill with tears when I worship. I want to be so moved by God that surrender is a voluntary response to seeing the excellent God. 
awaken your people. Refresh, renew, restore, revive your people, oh God. Revive your people, God. We love you, God. We love you. Everybody said amen. as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.